Hello, and welcome back to A Bite Out of Bethel, where food is not just a way of gaining nourishment, but a way of sharing culture, memories, and love. Today's guest is Bev Hoffman, an Alaskan Women's Hall of Fame inductee and trailblazer of the year. (laughs) So thank you, Bev, for joining me today. It's so nice to see you. It's really wonderful to see you all grown up, graduated from college, (laughs) and here you are. Um, If I can ask, what is your ethnicity? I'm just a mix of a lot of different cultures, um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So I call myself an Alaska mix. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you have a lot of sources to draw from when it yeah, comes to things. I, I do. And um, the Yupik part of me is probably, I call it, my heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was very cute. <laughs> um, please describe your family and the place you grew up, if it has changed from where they grew up. You know, um, no. I, I grew up right here in Bethel, Alaska in the 50s, so I'm dating myself, I know. I came from a family of uh, 10 children, nine lived, and eight of us are still alive and kicking here and in the Anchorage area, uh, area. I have one sister who lives in Anchorage, but the rest of us still live here. My father was James Hoffman. He was an early native bush pilot. My mom was non-native. Her father, um, Clarence Marsh, her name was Dorothy, and my dad's name was Jimmy Hoffman. And her father was always looking for that million-dollar gold mine, so he was all over the countryside uh, as a small time minor and uh, being raised in Bethel in the 50s I'm really so grateful for all those years of of living in a time when Bethel well it's always interesting but you know it was smaller um, less than 2,000 people and no television um, barely phones and one Armed Forces Radio was our contact with the world. And uh, it was a wonderful, simpler time. But still, there were those complications of life, always. But good. It was good. Good. Well, what has been your favorite part about seeing people come and go and different things happen and change around Bethel? I don't like to see people go. Um, except for a few. <laughs> um, I got used to people coming and going. It, as a young adult, when I'd see this transition of uh, people come in, I'd fall in love with them. They were so wonderful people. And then they'd go. And I would, back then we didn't have computers and all this social way of keeping in touch, no Zoom. Um that was really hard, and I, I, but I, as I've gotten older, I've gotten just to appreciate um, people for as long as they're here, if they enjoy our way of life. If they're just here to make money and they don't get out, they don't get involved, they don't volunteer, they don't do anything but sit on their bus and make money. Those folks, 
I just kind of weigh them off and, um, yeah, goodbye. Um, so, yeah, it, um, I forgot your question. <laughs> <laughs> What's been your favorite part of the changes? Oh, the favorite part of the changes. Oh, my gosh. I do like trees. Um, <laughs> um when I first moved home, I was in my early 20s, and we were all about planting, transplanting birch and spruce and trees, and that is one of the, my favorite changes. Um, I struggle, well, you didn't ask me what my problems were, but oh, let me free. see. <laughs> let me think about my, uh, you know, I, I just love this small town. Uh, feeling still a Bethel. And I really love, even growing up here, it was fairly diverse. We we didn't see a lot of African-Americans or Asian of descent or Albanian or Croatian, but still there was a blend of of Yupik, Athabaskan, Chupik, and white people. And um, I always liked that diversity. And that's one of my favorite things at Bethel still is we're such a diverse community. And um, because I love to travel, I get to experience a lot of different parts of the world and people and the way. And to see it here, it's, it is wonderful. Yeah. I do think that is a beautiful thing about Bethel. It's very unexpected. Usually when you think small town, you think, okay, well, there's a group of all the same people. But it's always been yeah. <laughs> pretty Diverse. Yeah. And we always have this young generation like yourself that choose to come back and live here and um, whether they come and go. But I just I just like that, too, to see, know that you grew up here in Bethel. You graduated from the school. You went to college and you came back. I know to, because you miss your mother and grandmother. But that's that is so important in any community that um, we have our young people coming back, that they love this life, this river. And I didn't mention that's one of my favorite parts of being here is the land and the river. Um, yeah, I just, it means a lot to um, people in my generation to see all that. It's awesome. Cool. Thank you. Now going back to food, because this is what I'm <laughs> All right, it's a food show. <laughs> what is the dish you'll be talking about today? Well, can I say I don't cook much? <laughs> <laughs> sure. But because my husband is the most excellent cook, I do cook. Um, and I cook a lot of Mexican food. But I am known for my kippered salmon chowder. When I worked at Emmy's school here in Bethel, um, Josh Gill and I would like, my fish chowder is better than your fish chowder. Um, they both were good. But that's the dish we're talking about today. And I know I sent you my kippered salmon process. And it's a wet brine. So, you know, share it. Yeah. I've been very much looking forward to this conversation because I remember being excited every time I'd see your salmon chowder on a table. I would go straight for it. To this day, oh, 
I still have only probably eaten your salmon chowder. A few oh. others here and there, but well, maybe yours. I think the difference is that I kip, I use kipper when I make my salmon chowder, and it gives it that smoky, delicious flavor. Yeah, that's true. Who taught you how to make your kippered salmon chowder? I've been cooking since I was about eleven years old. Both my mom and dad worked. And, um, you know, learned how to make spaghetti, learned how to bake pies, and just basic for a family of, you know, they'd sometimes guess 12 people at a time. And so I was very comfortable cooking, um, growing up, and then raising my family. I chose to be the one at home, and so I did do a lot of cooking before my husband retired. And... I feel comfortable with cookbooks and looking at how people do things. And so it's kind of my own recipe, the kipper salmon chowder, with a little help from uh, Julia Child, how she makes her potatoes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, the, the yeah potatoes. Um, so I would say I'm influenced by a lot of people um, that love to cook. And I'm influenced by my grandmother, who ran a roadhouse here. That was my mother's um, mom, Bergie, Bergie Marshline Eggleston. <laughs> and she would cook masses of food in a roadhouse. And you sat there, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and it used to be down where Bentley House is. That was where the roadhouse was. And she was fascinating to watch, um, and then there were other people that just, you know, Chrissy Shantz um, always inspired me and uh, just people that love to cook. And I love to eat. And so, <laughs> Same. so cooking is very important. <laughs> yeah. That's true. How are you going to eat if there's nothing cooked? <laughs> yeah, and God bless my husband. He just <laughs> loves to cook. But I did make homemade sourdough pizza last night because he just didn't feel like cooking. <laughs> the sourdough is something I do want to ask you about, but oh, later, later. Okay, I, okay. So many Anna, questions. Another time. <laughs> Growing up, who usually prepared the food in your family? Um, we had mom and dad both worked for the airlines. Mom was a dispatcher. And Dad was a pilot, and when I was very young, we had working girls. They'd come in from to watch all of us rugrats, Hoffman kids, um, and I grew up in Front Street Cafe, just so that you know that's where I grew up. And they would, whatever Mom would say to cook, you know, they cook. And then as I grew older, um, and I, you know, I was in 4-H. Susan Murphy was my 4-H leader. And she would give us basic introduction to measurements and this and that. But mom would say, I want you to make spaghetti. And so I made spaghetti, like how she told me, or meatloaf or whatever. We were chicken, fried chicken. Um, and so there was uh, just a lot of people that I would say taught me. Um, working girls that lived with us and that I still love today. They're still around. And my grandmother and my mother, Chrissy Shan, Susan Murphy, you know, people like that. And, yeah. Okay. What foods did you used to eat growing up? 
a lot of fish in the summertime, except for chicken on Sundays. And that was not easy to get. But somehow, we cut up a whole bunch of whole chickens, and it was practically fried chicken every Sunday, and fish, 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 fish throughout the week. But if we had moose left, it, we'd have something with moose, moose stew, curried moose. The curried moose was one of my dad's favorites, and um, he loved curried moose. So it's a funny thing to grow up liking curry and Bethel. You wouldn't think of it, but it was something I think his dad, um, the late George Hoffman, who came um around 1920, no, early 1900s. Um, so what would you ask again? <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm old. <laughs> no, it's okay. What foods did you eat growing up? Oh, foods, yeah. Fish, chicken, moose, um, a lot of potatoes, and uh, a lot of canned vegetables because we didn't have – you, from Swanson's store back in the day in the 50s and 60s, you could get carrots, cabbage, potatoes, and um, head lettuce. Nothing really, onions, turnips, and things that you could cold storage because a lot of the goods were shipped in um, on the big old steamships. And so... Um, we had a lot of canned vegetables because the barge, the ships would also bring food, um, canned tomatoes, can you know, just cereals. And our whole living room would be, can you imagine feeding 11 people plus Uncle George if he showed <laughs> up, you know, um, would be just stacked with all of these groceries because it was the least expensive way of feeding a family that size um, other than fish and moose and whatnot, mm. berries. So, Tune in next week to hear a sourdough success story, plans for future fundraising, and how Bethel has impacted Bev's cooking. This has been a bite out of Bethel. Thanks for listening. Let's eat.